You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by the 90 Min Football Network. It's Friday. Happy Friday. Although the sun is uh, has gone missing today. It's cloudy. It's gloomy. Uh, but there is plenty of positivity somewhere else in the country, a little bit further north. Uh, on this edition of the podcast, we are going to be discussing the takeover of Newcastle United. It's a takeover that has Divided opinion. It's been a big story. It's been in the pipeline for quite some time. And yesterday it got over the line. I figured it's something that's worth discussing because of the implications it has not only on Newcastle United, but on the rest of the Premier League, on the footballing landscape. So there's lots and lots to get into. And joining me is none other than the brilliant Harry DeCosimo. Uh, I'm sure you recognise him from the show previously. He's a Newcastle fan, but he's also one of the most respected journalists out there when it comes to covering the tune. Um, he's everywhere. Uh, Harry, welcome, mate. It must have been a really crazy sort of last 24 hours for you. I think my hair... And the state of it shows how crazy the last 24 hours have been, Harry. Thank you very much for, for having me on. I'm looking forward to this. No problem at all. We're looking forward to getting a bit more kind of insight as to what exactly has happened here. So uh, what I want to do, and and I don't want this to sound like I am digging out Newcastle United supporters, because that's ab- actually or absolutely not what I'm doing. Okay, if I were a Newcastle United supporter after 14 years of Mike Ashley, I would be delighted. I would be chuffed. I would be thrilled that he's out of the club and somebody who is going to quite clearly have far more ambition is now at the helm. But I think speaking for the kind of wider football world, Harry, there are some questions that need to be raised around this. There are some uh, discussions that need to be had. Now, first of all, before we get into that, before we dive into some of the kind of questionable things, as a Newcastle fan, can you kind of convey to us what it's been like under Mike Ashley's rule for 14 years and, and kind of shed some light on why people are so pleased and were jumping up and down and throwing things up in the air in celebration when it was announced that the takeover had finally been completed? I think the thing for the best way of portraying it is um, that not, it's felt like nothing, like it's gone beyond misery of like and and fear and worry and all that sort of thing with results and things it feels like it it feels like there's very little um to to to, if there's a win it doesn't mean anything because there's a ceiling of just trying to survive if there's a loss and they go and it puts them close to relegation it it, it sort of what does it matter any anyway because of the ceiling Like, like there's there's nothing to really go for and there hasn't really been much or enough, I think, discussion of what Mike Ashley's reign has meant. Has meant two years ago, before you know the Christmas before COVID, ten thousand Newcastle fans didn't turn up for a game against Southampton, and it was a big moment. It was like ten thousand fans had t- just turned away because they didn't feel like the club meant, and the, the club doesn't care about, didn't care about them, doesn't you know, didn't Ashley didn't 
didn't involve them in anything. It's kind of what, in a sort of similar sense, what we're going to get onto in a different way, in in a, in a bit with with the, with the new owners. But he didn't. There was just nothing about the club that the fans could that the, the fans could connect to really. Anything that they could was soon sucked out of them. So someone like Alan St. Maximum, for example, is a player that everybody loves. But if Mike Ashley stays, then eventually he's going to get sold, and there's no guy. And that's just that's just either that's the plan. And in the last year, particularly while this takeover has been rumbling on, he's just not paid attention, and it feels like he's willing. He's always been willing to gamble the club. So so even though you know Newcastle haven't ended up like Sunderland or Berry or Bolton, which is a lot of what a lot of people put to Newcastle fans when they've complained about Mike Ashley. It's more about that he's he's been willing to gamble the club at every opportunity. He's done everything really cheaply. He's taken the fun out of being a football fan effectively, and that's why. And the club has has, has represented has has been stripped back and just represented a business. It's not been worth effectively Newcastle, but. Uh, Newcastle have been, yeah. Look at the picture. Um, <laughs> Newcastle. That that picture was about ten. That, that, that picture was quite early on, actually. I think. But yeah, because he's about three times the size of that now. So yeah. I think in his early days, he was kind of like a bit like happy-go-lucky about it. He was playing a bit of a role. He brought Kevin Keegan in. That's another thing about about the takeover is that Kevin Keegan will be allowed back at Newcastle United and. I can only I don't I don't know who 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 an equivalent I guess Arsene Wenger but in a in a in a way his his reputation has sort of taken a different term of Arsenal fans but imagine Thierry Henry didn't feel like he could come to the Emirates and what you know and wasn't welcome at Arsenal and was actively you know blacklisted by by Arsenal and just imagine how that would feel for the for the fans and feel for the club. You know that that's kind of what we've been like with Keegan. Kevin Keegan is effectively like you know he 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 gave birth to the modern Newcastle United. He put Newcastle United on the map, and he's not been felt like he's been able to come to the club in the last ten years because why what, why is that for those that that maybe don't know? He came back as man. So so Mike actually played a played a bit of a role in his in his early days. He was a bit of a sort of like happy go lucky as I said. He was going round. At the away end, sitting in the in the away end, buying people drinks, wearing his shirt, having, trying to have you know, it, it wasn't the ideal for for a for a football club owner to act like that. But he was trying to, he, he appeared like he was trying to have a bit of fun with it, um, and he was going to really get get behind it. Then he, having not done his due diligence on the number of, on the amount of debt that Newcastle had, then he realised that, um, and then suddenly changed his, his tack. But also, he really he brought Kevin Keegan back in his in his really sort of happy-go-lucky attitude times and then just mistreated him completely for eight months, lied to him, was proven in court um, by Keegan that that that, that, his, that that the club had had lied and he'd, been, and he'd been treated so poorly. A quick example is they tried to sign Luka Modric. Uh, Luka Modric's agent was sat around the table, a big fan of Keegan, was quite happily you know, talking the possibility of Modric joining Newcastle instead of Spurs. Uh, Mike Ashley's right-hand man comes in and says, "Oh, he's not big and he's not strong enough for the Premier League. We don't want him." And that was the deal done. And there was a lot of like murky stuff going on around that. You know, Keegan was told to watch players on YouTube um, that he hadn't signed that he hadn't signed off on. They were um, they were 
players that, that were bought to they were parked at the club as a favour to agents. This is the sort of thing that was going on in that time. And he basically sued the club and walked away and hasn't felt welcome back since. Um so my first thing that I would do if I was Amanda Stavely against Tottenham in a couple of weeks' time when the Premier League's back is I'd get Kevin Keegan on the side of the pitch before before the game kicks off because then that would really show the that would that would represent best for Newcastle fans that that previous owner owner is gone and there's a new there's a new um, era coming. Oh, obviously, I, I I agree with a lot of the questions that need to be asked and there needs to be a discussion on lots of stuff and I'm sure we're going to get into that. But the fans have a right to be happy that Mike Ashley's gone. Is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, and and listen, I, I completely agree with that. You know, we we know as Arsenal fans what it's like to have an owner that you you don't feel has the success of the club at the centre of everything that they're doing and, and that they are financially motivated and, and only financially motivated. We feel that. So, as I said right at the top of the show, this is not me in any way having a go at Newcastle United fans. I get why you guys are buzzing. And I think you've done brilliantly there in kind of uh, encapsulating that for us, people who aren't Newcastle fans and are looking at this from afar. But as you mentioned, there are questions that need to be asked. And I'll just kind of give you a little bit of a download on on how I feel about it, where I'm at, and then feel free to jump in, correct me, um, counter any of my points. Because, of course, I haven't followed this anywhere near as closely as you have. And, and so I expect that there will be gaps in my knowledge. But the way this looks to me is that Mike Ashley has been very, very careful in the way he's operated the club over the last couple of seasons, knowing that this sale was was something that he was going to try and force through. Obviously, he had guarantees somewhere along the line, or or at least reason to believe that the Saudi-backed consortium were not going anywhere and that they were going to fight this with the Premier League. Now, at the time when it collapsed initially, there was a lot of talk about a number of different issues. Some of them were human rights issues, um, which many people in the chat are bringing up already. Some of the issues were around the piracy issue with uh, with the block on being sports in Saudi Arabia. And, and there was talk that, you know, being sports had kicked up a massive stink and fuss about it. And essentially, if the Premier League gave the thing the green light, they'd be almost or saying it's OK that the Saudis are, are stealing from the Premier League. So th- there was all of that stuff. There was this hard kind of situation where it was difficult for them to differentiate uh, the private investment fund from the state. And that's obviously been a problem as well. But for me, what we've seen over the last 48 hours, and and again, Harry, correct me if I'm wrong, is it become abundantly clear that the only thing holding this back was money, was the TV rights issue, was the issue of piracy. And the Premier League didn't approve it from fear of losing one of their big broadcast partners. Because the minute we heard that that ban had been lifted on being sports in Saudi Arabia, the talk about the takeover was back on. And 24 hours later, bang, it's done and dusted. So does it worry you as a Newcastle fan? Obviously, you're happy that Ashley's gone and that you've got people that are going to come and, you know, and be more ambitious, hopefully. But does it worry you as a Newcastle fan that, that you know, or as a Premier League fan and, and as a human being, that, the, that there seems to be no regard for all of these other issues that we've talked about 
and and solely it's about money it's about rights and the minute that issue was resolved the premier league have opened the door and said go on then lads no um well yes it does worry me sorry uh, but it doesn't surprise me um this is the latest in a long line and i i i, I kind of feel like a lot of newcastle fans are getting accused of what aboutery but with this sort of thing there is only what aboutery you can do because it's so there is no argument to defend the Saudi Arabian side of this, and you're absolutely right. I think, from my, from what I'm, from what I can see, this is just my opinion, but the 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 it's a mirage that that separation was ever a, a real issue, and if it was an issue, it was only an issue related to piracy. Because if you could separate them, then maybe you couldn't. The Premier League couldn't have a case on piracy, but. To me, it's pretty obvious that PIF and uh, Saudi Arabia have links, um, and and yet it doesn't matter because the Saudi Arabians have, you know, because because Saudi Arabia has stopped pir- uh, pirating the Premier League's um, content now, or well, being sports pr- pr- coverage of the Premier League now. If I'm the Premier League, I'm taking being sports side on that because they're a massive partner, and you have no loyalty to this to this. Um, consortium and I, I understand that and human rights have never come into it from that perspective beyond you know a, a, a sadly and they should they're not involved in the clearly they're not involved in the in the um, owners and directors test I'm somebody who wants to listen to Amnesty International who wants to listen to um, Jamal Khashoggi's uh, uh, widow who has been sadly trolled by sections of the Newcastle supporters who are just who just care about who you know who who are people that you're describing? They just care, they just care that a new owner's coming in and that they get to watch a, a rich football team. I'm somebody who's very very conflicted over over a lot of stuff, and I'm also not entirely sure I, I really trust trust the the Saudi Arabian the, the public investment fund section of the consortium because. Of things that I heard, you know, that in terms of they couldn't necessarily get through to Amanda Staveley, or Amanda Staveley couldn't reach them all the time during the eighteen months when things were were, were a bit silent. So, and it wasn't guaranteed for a long period that they were going to stick around, um, despite what they say now. I think that's why, what I so I do have worries, and I have absolutely on board with the concerns that everybody has because. Yes, that they're, they're absolutely legitimate, but also, you know, I think it's a bit it's a bit harsh to then say, you know, specifically on Newcastle fans, you need to be a moral guardian of this when, you know, the the Man City takeover happened ten years ago. No one really said much at the time about Man City, and Chelsea's been twenty years in the in the making. We, we, you know, football has been going on this on this journey. This is effectively the. the We've started, you know, footballers of collective have started crying about it because the tiger that we that we fed and, and nurtured as bitters on the head. That's effectively what's happened here. And also it's a big but it's a societal thing because this country sells arms to Saudi Arabia. So how can if the Premier League are okay with it and if the government are fine selling arms to Saudi Arabia and trading with Saudi Arabia, how can it be on the Newcastle fans to make a stand here? Um but, that but also, that doesn't mean that they need to be dressing up as Mohammed bin Salman, as somebody did yesterday, having a Saudi flag on their bio on Twitter and 
you know, as I say, trolling trolling Soji's widow, because uh, as a journalist, that that is that is a, a particularly heinous heinous crime. What happened there? Um, yeah. So there's a the only thing you can do as a Newcastle fan is 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 educate yourself and 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 as a football fan generally is educate yourself and and try and understand what's going on and condemn it and you know but that doesn't if the other option is to to support to not support your team uh, because of something that's completely out of your out of your control and also Newcastle fans protested for for 15 years almost against Mike Ashley and it didn't make a, a, a bit of difference i don't think protesting here would make a bit of difference it might principally show things but I, I think if you're asking Newcastle fans to to not support their team over something that they can't control, then it's you know where, where do you draw the line? Because especially because football has kind of all contributed to this. You know, if you look at into into human rights records of other of other things, obviously yeah. I think Saudi Arabia is a specific case and it and it needs to be treated as that. But you know, there is there isn't a right answer here either. And the and the only way forward is it, to to get through this minefield is trying to educate yourself on what's what's gone on here. I, I don't really know what the right answer is because because the right answer from the from the human rights aspect is to just stop supporting your football club, which I think every single football fan across the country, if you were told that you shouldn't support your football club, I think you would you would rail against that in some form. Yeah, no it's not. It's on. not. It's not something you can just switch on and off when you feel like yeah, it. Yeah. And I get that. And and listen, when I say, you know, do the things that, you know, are going on in the background or that are alleged to have gone on in the background concern you, I, I don't expect you or any other Newcastle fan to say, we don't want to be more competitive. We don't want to have greater finance at our disposal. We don't want our club to do well now because of who runs it or who owns it. I completely get that. And I also think you made a really valid point when you said about the Man City takeover, because that's a similar thing. You know, all right, some of the violations are maybe not as clear and obvious, but, you know, the people don't get to that kind of wealth without having something questionable in their past, I would argue. You know, we're talking about royal families here and, and royal families will divide opinions and they will do things that some will see as crimes and they will do things that others see as as things that just needed to be done. I think, you know, we've we've kind of allowed these big millionaire billionaires to come in over the years and take over Premier League football clubs because the Premier League saw it as an opportunity to bring huge and further investment into their competition, which would take it to a new level. And it has taken it to a new level. You know, the, the Premier League is at a place it's never been before in terms of global appeal, worldwide popularity. It is a huge, huge thing. But it's, you know, on the one hand, I'm sitting here and I'm going, yes, you know, I I don't like um, the look of MBS as he's known um, and some of the things that he's supposedly done. I don't like the idea of, of human rights violations and all of that. But it's 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 a difficult place to be in because I don't expect the Newcastle fans to put that right. But I think there needs to be a review at how this has all come about in terms of the Premier League. And and those guys are the ones that I'm holding responsible here. They've done it in the past and it was wrong. But this time I feel like there is just more on paper that 
that makes this feel uneasy and makes this feel uncomfortable. You know, we all know that Roman Abramovich isn't a saint, right? You know, we all know the kind of backstory or alleged backstory as, as to how Roman Abramovich got his millions. But it's not clear and it's not obvious and it's not there for all to see. You can, uh, you know, you can talk about it. You can, you know, I don't know, what's the what's the right word? You can speculate about it, but it's not as clear and obvious as some of the issues uh, that we're talking about with the with the Saudis. And, and this, for me, is the big issue. I mean, taking it away from that, because as I said, I don't expect you to, to not be happy that Mike Ashley's gone. I don't expect you to... Um, you know, to to not want your club to do well or any of that. But I think you're one of the, the level-headed ones, Harry, in that you can see that this is good for the football club, but you can also see the wider picture and maybe have some reservations about some of the other issues in the background. But what's what's the next step now? Because people are kind of under this impression, given how rich and wealthy these guys are, that Newcastle are going to come in immediately from January. They're going to start spending crazy money bringing in top players. This man, Steve Bruce, is, is probably going to lose his job now. I think he is going to lose his job. Um, how quickly do you think it's, or how, yeah, how quickly do you think we're going to start to see the knock-on effects of this new ownership in terms of, from a football perspective? Um, straight away, I think, um, in terms of Steve Bruce, I don't expect him to be in charge against um, Spurs. You think he'll be that quick? I think it'll be that quick because we spoke about this you know, last year, Harry, the two of us, and I was for giving Steve Bruce the end of the season, uh, at least it, hypothetically, that was in the middle of lockdown. Like, the end of the season would have been still six, nine games, I think, at the time, whenever it came back. Um, but Newcastle in the FA Cup, they were getting decent results. The performances weren't great, but, you know, Fair, fair, you know, I don't think it was unfair to suggest that he, he probably earned a stay of execution until the end of the season, at least to see out the FA Cup uh, run that he was on at the time. Now, fan, it'd be a PR loss from 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 um, the consortium's perspective if they kept Bruce on because the fans, it, it, it's easy to turn around. It's, it's an easy thing to do to turn around and say, You've not, you know, to get to get the fans on side to get Bruce, get rid of Bruce because he's kind of become, although the he, he it's known he's a symptom of what really the bigger problem was at Newcastle. He's become the focus because tactically he's questionable. A lot of his communication is questionable, and I think in five years' time, I personally will probably look back and think and feel a bit sorry for Bruce because of the way that he's been talked about and abused on online it's true um and you know people accusing him of, of being you know not of, of, of x y and z and i think actually it's it's a tough job it's been a tough job for him because he's more than any manager under 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 uh mike ashley has been left to do all the talking for the club but bruce was told to do that on a, when the takeover was happening. So Ashley was even more removed from everything than he was before. And there was nothing going on around him. And he was basically feeling all these questions. And he, his, he, he's not very good at taking criticism and not very particularly a good communicator, I don't think. So he says some things. But out of the heat of the moment, I, I think I'll feel a bit sorry for him down the line. But at the moment, there's 
there's just no way he can carry on because the, the fans don't want him. If, they, if, if, if the Saudi Arabian or the consortium want... Uh, 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 the game's already sold out. If they want a really electric atmosphere to be at fever pitch at, at peak level, then they can't have Bruce on the touchline because Bruce will become a focus. There is a sort of understanding more that we, Newcastle still haven't won a game this season, the 19th, they're in a relegation battle. It's not guaranteed if they don't pick up points. You know, Callum Wilson is still injured, still our only really good top striker. Um there are still problems in terms of the football cl- the team that can't be resolved until January. The hope is that the change in atmosphere around the club and, the, and you know maybe a change of manager, uh, change you know building the training ground, just a sort of guilt- building momentum can get a bit of form going until January when the when the players can be bought. But the key to that momentum is getting rid of Bruce. So in terms, of, I I would be surprised if Bruce is in charge by by Spurs. Um, I don't, you know, but equally, I don't expect Antonio Conte to be on the touchline either, um, because it's going to be a gradual process. Yeah. Um, so we've got to be realistic about stuff like that. I just don't think Bruce has, I think, you know, part of the reason why Bruce was was still at the club despite the results was apparent an apparent eight million pound, uh, you know, payoff that he would have he, he's due. That Ashley wasn't going to pay it. I think it's necessary that that the that the consortium are, are acknowledging that all the noises I'm getting, and crucially what Amanda Staley was saying yesterday, wouldn't comment on Bruce at all. Now, if you if you kind of back them, you say, well, you say you know, it, you, you say it, don't you? So I just don't see it. Don't see Steve Bruce being in charge by the Tottenham game, but I don't know who will be. I, I I'd, I'd be as interested to know that myself. Um. Somebody in the Northeast press pack has suggested that Brendan Rogers is on the radar, but he's at Leicester. That's going to take time to, if, even if you have the ability to get him out of Leicester, which I'm not convinced at the moment Newcastle do, um, that, that's going to take time and that's going to take you know a lot of negotiation. Steven Gerrard, but the same situation at Rangers. Um, so it would be an out of work manager. Eddie Howe has been previously linked with Newcastle. Um, you know, as one of as one of the alternatives that could possibly come in, um, you know, in the Ashley era, and I, I honestly don't think there would be much of a an, of an aversion to that happening now, despite the change of ownership. But Bruce, he's Bruce's days is definitely definitely numbered. Uh, whether it's Tottenham or he's definitely getting, he's definitely not not sticking around. I think he knows that as well. Yeah, um, yeah, Bruce. it seems. It seems like he does. Let's take some of the comments from the live chat box uh, and then we'll we'll wrap up with some questions uh, on uh, on the takeover or anything that you want to ask. Basically, you can put them in the chat box. Um, let's see. Let's see what we've got here. Uh, Jack Burgess says in five years when Newcastle win the league, our fans will still be here saying give Arteta time and we have potential. Uh, any excuse to get an Arteta dig in who, by the way, just before we went live, was announced as the September Premier League Manager of the Month. There you go. Uh, <laughs> let's no, see. This is genuinely true. Um, he was linked with uh, replacing Benitez, but he rang Benitez and Benitez told him not to take the job. There you go. There you go. Uh, Steve Patrick Stone... Vieira as well. Patrick Vieira was another one. Benitez, what, he was, he, both, he, he was told not to take Benitez, it. And Benitez told him don't take the job. Yeah. 
Yeah, because of the, the circumstances. It's one of those environments in which you can't succeed. You can't. You, you basically you've got no help. As I said, you I, I alluded to on the uh, with with the communication. So Bruce's communicate. Benitez is a genius when it comes to managing the press and the political side of it. Bruce is not a genius. Bruce is an old, an old fashioned. You know, he, he, he comes from a generation where you don't have to do that all the time. Um, he's not particularly comfortable with it, and the scrutiny is more on uh, at Newcastle than most places because you are the only one who's speaking. Um, so you kind of got those. So the, the chances of success or the whatever whatever is counts as success is not worth all of the crap that you have to go through. So I do have some sympathy for Bruce, but yeah, but I, I, both Arteta was 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 a long term target. We spoke to Vieira before McLaren as well, I think, um, and then he was linked with 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 replacing Bruce. Um, but yeah, I can't. It's it's interesting to me that 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 um, Vieira has gone to someone like Palace, who are effectively in the same sort of bracket as Newcastle. Um, but that's kind of yeah, you can't succeed. So, you know, Arteta is a an interesting case in Arsenal, but he he he. I, I I don't know whether he would have taken it regardless of whether he spoke to Benitez or not. But he was a target, and um, yeah, that that's kind of where we're at, where we're at with it. That that's kind of what it was like, and now. Whoever comes in has a hopefully has a better chance of success. Yeah, of course, of course. Um, let's take this one from uh, Matt, who says, "I think as Arsenal fans, we need to be honest with ourselves. If this takeover was our club, I think the majority of our fan base would be in favour in it. And yet, look, everybody wants to see their team do well. Everybody wants to see their team compete at the very top." And I can imagine that if you're, and, and look, this is not to be disrespectful to Newcastle, but we sit here and we moan season after season after season. And all of us as Arsenal fans have seen our club win multiple major trophies. When was the last time Newcastle won a major trophy, Harry? 1969 was the Inner City Fairs Cup, which became the UEFA Cup. But the last domestic one was 1955, the FA Cup. There you go. So, so Newcastle fans deserve this more than most. And, and I have not... I'm not for a second blaming Newcastle fans here. I just think that this is more an indication of the sad state of modern football rather than it is Newcastle United. And and as Harry said, why should Newcastle be the gatekeepers or, or the ones that are morally responsible for dealing with this? Um, let, I'm just going to bring in another guest because Mr. Dan DeLuca, uh, one of our regulars on the social club, was, was watching us live. Uh, he sent me a message during the show, so he thought, why not? bring him on to get his take on it. Dan, welcome, mate. How are you? Yeah, very well. It teach me to send him messages during the show. Yeah, exactly. He's, uh, I hope your boss ain't watching this, but anyway. <laughs> I think he subscribes to the channel. <laughs> Dan, let, let's get, before we continue through the chat box, um, because there's lots of, of opinion in there, and we'll come on to some of that in just a couple of moments, but what's your take on the Newcastle takeover? Because I, I'm, I, I don't like it but I get why Newcastle fans like it. And equally, I don't think they're responsible for the issues. Therefore, we can't blame them. Harry sees it, you know, I think pretty similarly, but he's obviously a Newcastle fan, so has uh, a lot more to gain from it. Where where are you on this? Um, obviously, Harry Harry always presents a very, very balanced viewpoint on it, on every show we've done with him, which, which is great. Um, I don't blame the Newcastle fans at all why why should i i mean let's get let's get to you know the basics of it bobby robson once said words to the effects of 
football is about holding your dad's hand around the terraces and falling in love. You support that football club. What goes on behind the scenes is more and more visible these days. And actually, I don't really care. I want to go. I want to watch the game. I want my team to play well. And I want to do whatever I do after the game. So it's not Newcastle's fault. They shouldn't be interested in, in what goes on behind closed doors. Like you said earlier in the show, obviously, there are elements of this that are more are more publicised. But, you know, let's have it right. Ashley wasn't an angel. Um, so from a Newcastle fan's perspective, what they see is the first thing football they will see is on the football pitch. We are terrible. We have been for 15 years. In 10 years' time, we're not going to be terrible anymore. That's really exciting. They should be very, very happy. Um, I've got no issue with that. <clears throat> Where my issues will inevitably arise is what happens from this point onwards. And they've already started. And this is, I don't expect um, Newcastle fans to take the moral high ground in terms of political issues and human rights issues, because there are established bodies around the world to do that. But in terms of football issues, to, to some extent, I do. So, for example, we've already seen Amanda Stavely this morning playing cliche bingo. Newcastle fans deserve to be to be top of the league. Why? Compared to compared to who? Compared to which set of fans who haven't just been bought out? I can't accept stuff like that. Um, to be honest, I find that extremely disappointing. Um, everyone's favourite pundit solely because he was a good footballer, Alan Shearer. Um, straight away, very quick to um, very quick to you know stick his boot into the uh, to the European Super League plans. Uh, essentially, without being called a Super League, that the the Premier League is now four twelfths of the way into that. Um, because there's relegation and promotion doesn't really a great deal of odds. Don't start throwing Leicester at me. You know, Leicester happened once. It might happen once again. Abolishing the Super League just because that happens once every quarter of a century isn't, isn't really good enough. Um, so I'd be a bit disappointed with that. And I can't subscribe to this theory that Newcastle United deserve this more than, than any other club. I, I get the suffering. Um, I get that they were poorly owned before. Well, let's have it right. You know, so have Leeds United, so have, so have Nottingham Forest. Now, this is not about criticising Newcastle because of their size. They're, they're a massive city and a well-supported football club. Single club cities tend to be, and, and good luck to them. But that's, for me, where the, the moral high ground shift is a little bit less acceptable in my mind. We can't have this public outrage similar to fans, I suppose, about picking on Newcastle. There are fans now who are very, very angry about this. We both know full well that the majority of football fans would accept this if this was their club. And I'm sure your comments in the chat from Arsenal fans accept that. You know, we're in a, a we're very much in a, a can't beat them, join them sort of world now. But when I hear the comments of Amanda Stavely, I just expected an awful lot more than that generic sort of nonsense. You know, it that's what's disappointing me the most in, in the last day. I don't I don't blame the Newcastle fans. I expect Harry with a measured viewpoint to be very, very excited. And I'm sure you'll you'll put a curb on that excitement for, for reasons you discussed earlier in the show. But that's where it gets really, really cloudy for me, that we now have to subscribe to this theory that um, Newcastle fans deserve this takeover more so than any other club. And, and furthermore, going into the future, when Newcastle do start winning things, the inevitability uh, of how fans behave in that circumstance is, is what will turn Newcastle from being a very popular um, club an institution of British football to a club that people don't like very much. Harry, do you agree with what Dan said there? Do you disagree with some of it? What's, what's your kind of take? No, I, I see his I see his point because 
Um, I think for, Newcastle fans are going to are going to lap up anything that Amanda Stavey says, um, effectively because she's not Mike Ashley, um, and she's positioned herself fairly well in the last four years. We're actually, you know, it's talk about the eighteen months, but really she she turned up against Liverpool in a one-all draw in twenty seventeen, having been invited by Rafa Benitez, funnily enough, um, and watched the game and tried to buy the club. Made the bid on her own back was to call the tire kicker by Ashley. Went away and then came back with the with the wealth fund and then this happened and then the only yeah, as we said the reason why I don't buy that separation was ever really an issue given how quickly this has gone through because of the, of the since the piracy you know as you said it's been it was a day not even that really it was a it was a it was less than a day till we knew that it was going to happen and it was only a matter of time. And then another day later, here we are. Um, so, yeah, so she's she's presented herself very, very well in the, over the last four years. And Newcastle fans have, like 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 a lot of things that happen in in politics as well. It's very easy just to sort of and and even you know uh, other elsewhere in football, somebody will say something that if you don't like them, then you'll then you'll have a, an issue with it. So if if you like them. Then you know that's just the way it kind of works. So I don't disagree with with what Dan's saying, and um, I don't. You know, I, I think, but I think most Newcastle fans will say that they deserve it more because they felt, you know, just like I think any other club would say they deserve it more because they they're focused on what they what they feel and they 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 see it from their perspective and our perspective and the Newcastle fan perspective has been, you know, misery misery while watching. Other clubs, even not even like I mean Spurs as a taking Spurs as an example, I think the rev, the, rev, the, the as a way of dis, of describing where Newcastle were when when Ashley took over compared to Spurs, the revenue was like I think Newcastle were ahead. Now we're like four times behind, and that's kind of the, the, just an example of the stagnation compared to compared to somebody like Spurs, and then also watching like West Ham bid 20 million for two players a summer or whatever, that sort of thing. So it's very easy for Amanda Stavey to come out and say not very much and become very popular. And um and I do understand why I, I do understand why your point about Newcastle not deserving it more. But also I think you know the 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 the, the that's to do with that's a that's a percept a lot like a lot of things that's to do with perception. Because Leeds came up, and everyone was like, "Leeds deserve to be back," and and you know, and you could argue that Nottingham Forest. You, you can pick other clubs as well. So. Yeah, I, I was very, I was very against that then. But I, I think in terms of, especially with the Leeds thing, it's like, well, we deserve it. Why? Because because our fans have been there through through some really really dark times. Okay, yeah. I get that. I get that. But okay. I look at this. Let's um. Let's link this back to Arsenal, and this is this is a view of mine. It's easy at the minute. I look at I look at Newcastle getting big, and my first impact is well, it's going to be even harder for Tottenham now to compete. Okay, some may say unlucky, tough, should have managed your own club better. Ironically, you have to be a, with respect, you have to be a small size club in value to get bought out. Um, Chelsea were not yeah, massive. Uh, Manche- Manchester City were bought because they were cheaper than Manchester United. And Newcastle have been bought effectively because they are because they're under under the value they should be under the club Yeah, yeah. You, you can you you can yeah. effectively if you I think the Saudi Arabians really probably wanted to buy Manchester United and were probably quoted around three billion pounds. 
or 300 yeah. million and get them and spend another few hundred and get them on a similar level. It's so, quite easy. Too, so so yeah. That's unfortunate. It's unlucky. But the emergence of Manchester City finished Arsenal Football Club as a, as a, as a, as a challenge and they still haven't recovered from that in the sense that Manchester City came in at a time when Arsenal had gone from first to second to third. Um, Champions League places have gone from two to top three to top four. So Arsenal were still able to extend qualification for a period of time. Then Manchester City came in and they bought three or four of their first team players. And Arsenal as a football club have not recovered to that size because of that. So I look at this and say, West Ham, uh, a very similar sort of club in that they don't like their owners. They don't know what they get. They haven't historically liked the sort of managers they've seen on the touchline. And they haven't performed at a level that they believe their club should perform. What does this do to a club like West Ham, who have now worked through those differences? They've brought themselves up. Um, they've brought themselves up to a place where they're mixing it around sixth or seventh. They've got a really good, exciting side, good prospects, stadium, sizable, revenue, big. Leicester City missed out on the Champions League twice narrowly for the last two seasons. They've built themselves up properly. They've built themselves organically. Everyone speaks highly of what their owners do. Um, what happens to them? And yeah, but the, why is that? But, but why is that Newcastle's problem? No, but that's where that that's where the moral that's where the moral debate comes in for me. But didn't and the when, moral didn't the moral debate end when Roman Abramovich came in and took Chelsea from being on the brink of disappearing as a football club to now competing for the biggest trophy? we're too far down the line now to look back and say, yeah, but what about West Ham? What about Leicester that have done it? And I quote properly, Leicester have spent an absolute shitload of money and they've got extremely wealthy owners. They haven't done it organically. So we're already, we're too far down the line to be looking at other clubs and going, what does this mean for them? Like, I'm an Arsenal fan and I know that this makes it more difficult in the coming years for Arsenal to get back in the top four. But I can't sit there and say, uh, question the morality of it when we're already around, far down the line and around the corner. No, no. That ship's already sailed. No, no, but I guess my point is, and what, what makes me cross, is we're all happy to step out and throw our hat into the ring when a European Super League's about to be formed. Because, for whatever reason, yet something like this is allowed to happen and we're worried about how Saudi Arabia run their country. Like That is low down the list, should be lower down the list of a football fan's worries, in my view. So, the likes of the people I'm cross with is Alan Shearer. People like Alan Shearer. Um, probably Gary Neville. I haven't heard what he's about to say yet, but he's the sort of person who, who, who would annoy me. And um, I just worry that the game has missed an opportunity that certain figureheads promised us after the European Super League were broke down, which was we are going to reorganise and fundamentally readdress football from top to bottom following this. And what the first thing that's happened is the Premier League have gone in and overturned a sportingly unethical um, takeover bid, in my view. And people will say, you're jealous because it's not Tottenham. That's that's fine. Maybe, maybe I am jealous that Tottenham haven't got the ability to compete in that way. But I would be just as big a hypocrite if I turned up in 10 years' time and started ramming home abuse to Sunderland fans because it just so happens to be my team that won the lottery. I think footballers, I think football has gone back on its word of the last six months. It's unfortunate that Newcastle are the brunt of that in, in, in some respects. They won't care because they get the benefits. But that, that's the point I'm trying to make here. And I think it's um it's 
it, it's it's all well and good to to talk about you know how Saudi Arabia and their human rights record and all that sort of stuff, but actually, just looking inwards at home, I think we've been let down by by English football once again. Harry, coming back to you, mate. In terms of this, and I had when I was thinking about what I wanted to ask you earlier on, I did write down the two words Super League, and and what I want to I guess gauge from you is Newcastle were were one of the clubs that really didn't want the Super League. You know, they they didn't probably weren't invited to it with all due respect, but they were one of the clubs that were quite big on the idea of this Super League and, and being a really bad thing for football. What? How does this compare? How does something like this compare to the idea of the Super League to you? Because essentially by allowing people to take control of our football clubs that are so much more wealthy than everybody else, we are creating elitism, aren't we? So how do the two kind of compare for you? Uh, the... The only literal difference for me is the promotion and relegation thing. And rightly or wrongly, I think really that's what people I don't I'm not saying I do, but I think I think a lot of people on the sort of really vocal level objected to that, that you couldn't get through. Because the Premier because effectively the, the same thing, if you watch the fever pitch documentary, a lot of the same things were being said on BBC about the Premier League. A lot of things were being said at the same time in nineteen ninety two. But the difference, and actually, I think Gary Neville actually said this about the Super League in his defence of, uh, in his critic of the Super League, but not criticising the Premier League was the promotion and rele- the, the lack of promotion and relegation, the the cut off. But I understand uh, pr- principle. I completely get Dan's point that effectively this, this is what's going to happen now. There's going to be a cut off of sixteen. They'll just happen to play the other teams uh, in the set, you know, and it'll become. So I, I do, I do get that. I think. It's it's impossible for me to argue against it. Um, you, you, as I say, you, you, it's a minefield of this now, um, and it's it is very very difficult. I can't I can't say that 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 this is that this. I would I would happily have a world where you know th- this is a test of Newcastle specifically for Newcastle. This is a test of Newcastle's the, the fans previous suggestion that they only wanted the team that tried they only wanted to go in the top top eight or, or challenge or feel like there was a there was something to hope for because that's not gonna it, we're in a different world now that's not even that like if, if Newcastle finished eighth in two years time that'll be a major failure because of what because of the wealth so there's a real there's a real test of what Newcastle fans have got to, I think Newcastle fans have got to hold on to but 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 I don't think they will because I don't think any fan would. I don't think I think Man City fans are more are more insufferable now than they were ten years ago. Newcastle fans, my dad tells me, were pretty insufferable in the middle in the mid nineties. You know, pretty disrespectful, saying Sunderland wasn't a rival. We only care about Manchester United. So it's all circumstantial. Um, but and I think I think at the end of the day, fundamentally. Um, Aside from the, the the promotion and relegation thing, most fans just care about winning games and spending big money and and, and trophies and stuff. And I think really anything I do, I, I see the point. Anything beyond that's kind of hypocritical because because Newcastle aren't Newcastle aren't. I don't think Newcastle are any longer going to be able to say that they, that they demand a team that tries, not a, a team that wins in five years' time because. I just, I just don't, I just think that, that that's just the way things work. 
Yeah. You know, Liverpool fans have suddenly become, a, you know, apparently more insufferable now than they were ten years ago because they've got a good team. That's just how it works, unfortunately. Do you know the um, best thing about this, about this whole takeover, the, the irony of this whole takeover, is in terms of Mike Ashley. Now, in ten years' time, there's not going to be a single branch of Sports Direct that doesn't sell a Newcastle shirt. The man is a genius. <laughs> He's a, he will make more money from Newcastle now than he did yesterday. Well, he's, he's, so I read someone tweeted yesterday and I thought it was quite, you know, probably quite accurate or it will come to be quite accurate in the coming years. It was something along the lines of Mike Ashley basically has used Newcastle United as a advertisement for his, his sports oh, company. Have you, not, have you not seen inside St. James's Park? It's not as bad as it was. On the, on the top of the Gallagher end, there used to be a, you could see it from bird's eye view, sportsdirect.com. They replaced the old Newcastle United thing on the east stand opposite, which is the one you see, smaller one that you see uh, on, on the, the on the stage on the TV. And he, he replaced it and wrote in Sports Direct numbering Newcastle United with Sports Direct on either side of it. Um, <laughs> so he has literally, and and it is all over um, the stadium. It's all over everywhere. I mean, he literally called it the Sports Direct Arena. And before that, I'd changed the name to Sports Direct at St James's Park dot com. Or it's even something. worse. Yeah, that was in two thousand. So, so that so that's all. That so so he has absolutely he, just, he stripped the club back and used it. That's what he did. Um, and you know, but at the same time, you can't turn around and say, I don't think you can turn around and say we've got our club back because which is what a lot and those people on the TV who are singing that are probably don't are probably not aware of the human rights side of what MBS is, but I don't think they really think beyond, you know, what, winning. What you said before, reason. what you said before was perfect though. When you said top eight now wouldn't be acceptable. Precisely. That's what you, I mean. You, yeah. Good. You haven't got your club back. You've got a different club. Yeah, yeah precisely. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. It's, but, but equally it's gone from not being our club over the last 14 years to just not being our club in a different way. And I think a lot of people naturally, because that's just the way people think they'll be happier about this. Well, at least we're winning. At least we're spending money. You would have you would have Tottenham, wouldn't you? Would have Tottenham in the first game. It's like typical, absolutely. Yeah, well, you're lucky you've got them now before they start signing. Yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll be massively, they'll be massively boosted, won't they? They'll, they'll be like fans. They'll be fans singing. And I tell you honestly, I would love it if we beat you. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> we we the, the thing is, Callum Wilson's still not fit. Um, so we're going, and we'll have Jeff Hendrick in midfield. So it's effective. Like that, there is there is a sort of like a serious point to that is that there is going to have to be a temper to how quickly this thing goes anyway in the immediate term in terms of we can't go and buy players. So and we still haven't got a first win, so we can't really look beyond. And the, what was also quite ironic was a lot of people were saying like like the the three people who were interviewed at St, at St. James's Park yesterday by Sky Sports said. What do you want for this season? Just stay up this season. We'll go then. And it's like, it's it's hard to disagree with what you're saying, Dan, because effectively, I think a lot of I think a lot of people, I think a lot of people are trying to build themselves around this and adapt themselves to this and try and and try and and, the, and, and naturally that's going to make people hypocritical. Yep. Um, but um. But yeah, going. But what you said about Amanda Stavey, she she doesn't have to say anything beyond the cliches. It's just that easy for her because of the way, because of how bad Mike Ashley has positioned himself and how easily he's positioned, she's positioned herself over those over those four years. She's over those four years, 
having pre with her previous bits, she's always been seen as this sort of like, oh, you know, she's this guardian angel who's 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 waiting in the wings. Yeah, he, Mike Ashley's made her look good, hasn't and he? Without her, having to do a great deal, done that, has done that himself um, to, yeah. a degree, to a degree. Because the thing about Mike, the, the the thing is true for me. Mike Ashley's ownership could have been so different because he um, he proved in two, three seasons. The two seasons, ironically, I mean, he he, he put us in the championship, but the two seasons were in the championship. First first time he he he, he put the money up to to keep the, the key the core the, the Kevin Nolans and the uh, and the Joey Bartons the, the the key players who were in their prime. They were Premier League quality players, and they had the right sort of mentality, and they got us back in the Premier League. Um, the second season, he, he he backed up, he backed Benitez, and in the middle of that, we finished fifth. And he got so he got the principle. His principle was correct, um, but um, his his execution was off. So it, it could always it could have worked. You know, if someone came, my point is, if someone came in with his wealth or even less, but tried harder, it would have it succeeded. Have it would have been. It would have worked. Um, this is now a different, a different fish. This is now a, you know, we can't talk about as as, as Dan rightly pointed out, we can't talk about finishing the top eight anymore. We've got a, we've got a different club now overnight, and we're going to have scrutiny on people saying a lot of stuff, and we're going to have to probably learn a lot from, unfortunately, learn a lot from a lot of Man City fans and a lot of Chelsea fans of how to, how to deal with that sort of thing. There's a lot um, more of you guys though, at least, so you can uh, strengthen <laughs> but, but, numbers. But but, but he's but. I think there is a sort of there is a perception that Newcastle, you know, rightly or wrongly, that Newcastle are this club that it's an authentic club, therefore it's different. I don't know whether that's a bit like Leeds coming up, and like like plenty of clubs have plenty of clubs have been out of the Premier League for a long time, but not got the same same reception that Leeds have got since they come back up. And I don't know what I think it is just that this idea of authenticity, um, and you know whether that's whether that's real or not. I don't know, but it's it, it, it's such a, there's no straight answer to anything, really. No, there isn't. Different. There isn't, and that's why it, it's such an intriguing subject, and it's why, yeah. even though we are an Arsenal podcast, I felt that it was worth discussing, worth talking about. And Harry, um, we're going to leave it there, but I just want to say thank you for for coming on and providing, no as always, some excellent insight into to what's going on and. Yeah, it's been, it's been a great chat. I hope our listeners have enjoyed it. Uh, if you haven't done so already, make sure you hit that like button um, on the video. It really, really does help. Uh, subscribe to the channel if you are new. We are approaching 17,000 on YouTube alone, uh, but we're not quite there yet. We're still around about 175 away from that, and we'd love to get there within the next couple of weeks or so. So please do hit the like button, subscribe to the channel if you're new. If you'd like to be a member, you can do so by clicking on the link in the description. Harry, just let people know how they can follow you and keep up to date with the great work you do. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Harry DeCosmo, um, and everything's pretty much there. So just follow me on there and you'll, uh, you'll get it all. Make sure you do. Harry does some great work for a number of different outlets, including the BBC as well. So make sure uh, you check out all the fantastic stuff that he does. Uh, we're going to be back a little bit later on with another live stream. So stay tuned. We'll be live at 4 
8.15 p.m. UK time, that is. We'll be uh, bringing you the next in our player review series. We'll be talking about Martin Odegaard on that episode. And we might pay a little bit of a tribute to Mikel Arteta, who's just been named September Premier League Manager of the Month. You've got to take the wins when they come, uh, given how things have been the last couple of seasons. We'll be back very, very soon with more. Until next time, take care of yourselves. Hit the like button on the way out and I'll catch you all soon. Goodbye. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler and you're listening.